0: Welcome to the Dead Elephants podcast featuring Duncan and Chris. Looks like it's time to tackle another elephant in the room.
1: Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome. Here we are and today's topic. Woo! Cracker. We're going to a kitchen and we're going to we're going to bake ourselves a little rainbow cake today. What do you mean? We're asking the question, would Jesus bake
0: a gay cake? Wow. Yeah. You mean like a, a cake at a wedding for a gay couple? This is what you mean? This is what I'm saying. Okay.
1: Yeah. I think um, this has come straight out of, what,
0: 2012? Yeah. Tell us for our younger listeners, like, why are we talking about cake at a gay wedding? What do you- there Why? was there was a kerfuffle.
1: Yes, there was. In the United States about 10 years ago. Colorado specifically. Where a homosexual couple mm-hmm. went into a Christian bakehouse. Yes. And requested. The
0: Masterpiece Cake Shop.
1: A gay cake. Yes. And the bakery refused service. On religious grounds. And that led to a. Christian cluster fluff.
0: Well, not just a Christian cluster fluff, but a a legal, like this went all the way to the Supreme Court.
1: And so there was a lot of chats about this. Um, I I don't think probably we've all comfortably resolved where we stand in relation to um, inclusion Mm. of those rainbow-coloured individuals Mm. within our churches
0: yeah, well, I think there's two layers. There's there's the legal yeah. argument, which was for the courts. And if you're playing at home, the baker lost the court case on a couple of levels and then it got escalated and escalated. And eventually, my understanding is he, he won the case yeah. and was allowed to uh, exercise his religion in who he did or did not choose to bake a cake for for set wedding. So okay. legally, my understanding is that the Masterpiece Cake Shop set a precedent that protected future shop owners from such events. Okay. So that's the legal part of it. But then there's also the, I suppose, the the moral, ethical, spiritual, theological part of it, which feels a lot more gray. Mm, okay. I think we also have here in
1: Australia, what is it called? The Lands Act or something, where I have the right to refuse entry to the property. Okay. Um, I know that because we we had it stuck up all around the place for COVID, which didn't make a whole, it didn't seem a whole particularly friendly. But my understanding is um, locally within Australia, you do have the right to refuse service to an individual if you, you know, on a whole bunch of different reasons, you know, like a bartender can say, I think you're too drunk. Right. I'm not going to give you a drink.
0: And so are you saying authoritatively that a Christian baker in Australia can turn someone away According to the event, they're requesting a pastry for. Well,
1: I think they could do it for a variety of different okay. reasons. I, I have a, a listen. There's someone who's listening, who's legally minded, who can yep. comment and say, "Duncan, you're an idiot. You have to <laughs> bake cakes for everyone." Can I say
0: you're an idiot if I'm not legally minded? Of course you can. All right, good. You're yeah. an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's about a cake, but it's not about a cake, right? Yeah. I think what we're talking about is. The old Jesus dining with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and what, um, and uh, hear me clearly, I don't want to automatically liken our uh, same-sex attracted friends to those groups of people necessarily. Yep. But the point being how, how messy was Jesus willing to get, I guess, is the question, and therefore how messy are we willing to get as his followers in engaging with different groups in society? Sure. Is that is that fair? Is that what we're talking about more broadly? I guess so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. So where do so we want yeah. to start
0: with all of this? Can I ask you? Okay. Because this is episode, I don't know what number. Oh, here we go. It's episode, we're in the high 20s now. Okay. We we I said in an earlier episode around um, transgender and gender dysphoria that we were going to get to the sexuality conversations, but I also didn't want to go there too early because it feels like that's what Christians go for straight away. And I didn't really want to communicate that, but here we are. Yeah. So I'm going to just ask you out, right? Where are you as a pastor and as a Christian on where you sit with same sex relationships, marriage? Is it different within the church? Is it different outside of the church? Like where are you at in this whole landscape on a personal level?
1: I don't know. Oh, I think part of the challenge is, is that, um, I'm trying to learn the art of better inclusivity. Mm -hmm. And so I think the question surrounding marriage is a challenging one because um, unity between a husband and a wife for centuries has been about the idea of procreation Mm -hmm. until recently when we got condoms and a whole bunch of other medical devices that can stop us from having children um, sexuality move from procreation to recreation. Mm -hmm. And in, um, in doing that, we, we, we can shift a narrative around marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm a churches of Christ pastor. I am legally bound to marry people under the rights of church of Christ. They have a traditional view of Christian marriage and so the way I usually approach this is to say we didn't, we didn't invent marriage, Christians, but we championed the best parts of it. So we, we want justice for both those parties involved. We want the, the legacy. We want the enjoyment of marriage to be as close to the way that God goes, this is awesome, as possible. I think within our society we are post-Christian and so what we ought, ought to do is champion justice for those of us who don't necessarily share the same Christian perspective. Mm-hmm. So inheritance rights, um, insurance rights. You're talking about
0: for same-sex couples. For same-sex couples. Yep.
1: And I think those two can exist in parallel where a Christian Christian community who believes in a very traditional view of marriage between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman – can exist alongside of a same sex, fully inclusive church that may go, we have a broader spectrum and understanding of that, but we're both seeking justice and excellence within relationships. And I think that's the difficulty and the murkiness of mm-hmm. where we're heading. And I don't have a good answer yet. Mm. And I'm still wrestling that out.
0: Very good political answer there, Duncan.
1: Um, well, yeah. I listen within our our church, our our leadership are all husband and wife married. Yeah, and so if if you said within my church, I'm, uh, we're probably a conservative Christian married type church, mm-hmm. but we are also trying to flex that muscle of appropriate inclusivity for mm. someone who might be wrestling out their own sexuality and creating a space where they can do that well without fear of judgment.
0: Yeah. I I would definitely echo that. I I like that idea. Appropriate inclusivity. I think that that's a good framework to understand this by. Yeah. Yeah. And so I
1: think that's a wrestle you need to have with scripture. That's a wrestle you need to have with God. But what I will champion for you is that there are no second class citizens Mm. in this world because there are no second class citizens in heaven. So what I want to do is, is champion for the equality of rights, Mm -hmm. but that may mean that there are, which, which I think there is, that there is a, a traditional view between husband and wife. And then there's also a more spectrumed rainbow view of marriage. And I think that they may not necessarily agree on everything, but they could live in parallel.
0: Are you saying that you can potentially uh, disagree with somebody about their lifestyle and yet go uh, to the utmost to to try and establish to your to use your language a non second class citizen, like yeah? So listen, I think uh, we're we, because you start getting into the to agreement is to to agree is to love or to agree is to cherish to the same level. I think what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is you can sit with difference and try and do everything you can to communicate uh, the same level of dignity yeah. within the church.
1: So I, I said to, I've been at a gym for 18 years. There's there's plenty of gay guys in MMA, gay guys and, and, and lesbians as well. Pretty popular sport for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I got invited to a vow renewal for one of the gay couples at the gym, I would hundred percent attend that renewal ceremony. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would host the renewal ceremony. Why not? Why,
0: why does why does that change the game?
1: Well, I think because as a celebrant under the Christian values that I've got within Churches of Christ, yep. that's a that it's it's complementary not same sex that w- that I would be affirming vows for. And so it's like I again because I'm wrestling this out, I may not necessarily sit comfortably but I want to be there to celebrate it because I think what they're trying to do is, is worth championing. Mm-hmm. And and so I think I'd be at the party, but I wouldn't host the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is part of the battle.
0: Yeah. I mean the whole difficulty of this convers like there's a reason this is so loaded right now. It's loaded because as a pastor, let me say, there are, there are a lot of real people for whom this is, their daily life and their daily yeah. identity. So I'm conscious that as two straight guys, we're now talking about the other. And that's always a fraught thing to do. Yeah. So let me just speak that out. And hopefully we're doing that sensitively. And secondly, not only does it involve real people, it also, again, it involves a lot of gray. And black and white is a way easier place to exist in. Yeah. Um, but this is not that. And yeah, look, I I have my conclusions on it and i'll get to that but before before that i want to ask you well i want to disagree with you about one thing i think sure and then i want to ask you a question i I disagree that before um uh condoms etc that sex was just about procreation i think there was always a recreative element to it yes um i think procreation is is definitely a big part of it and for me that points towards the male female design however i think there's always been a like i think song of songs for example shows that sex is just really good outside of the ability to have babies. Yeah. So I'd say that.
1: But you're also you're always working under the assumption you might fall pregnant. Sure. Yeah. So so, so it, it isn't until modern times where you can almost take procreation off the table. At
0: least during the childbearing years, yes. Yeah. Like if you were old back in the day post-menopause, there's obviously no. Okay, yes, ancient yeah. grandma sex. <laughs> ancient always... grandma sex. There's always ancient okay, grandma there's, sex. Okay, there's exceptions to the rule. But, but yes, I'm just, in right. all seriousness, I am saying, though, therefore, the fact that humans stop, don't stop being able to have sex post, that shows that, yeah. you know, there's no off button. at the, Well, maybe there should be. No, there shouldn't be. <laughs> ancient grandma sex, go for it. Um, the second thing is, well, the question I wanted to ask you, you said Christians didn't invent marriage. I think some people would disagree with that statement. Cool. That's okay. So what do you mean by that? I
1: think that you can see uh, that every kind of culture that exists under the sun has Mm -hmm. some kind of concept or understanding for marriage. I think what we see within scripture is an elevation of that. Okay. So suddenly a woman is not a childbearing tool but is elevated to a place of high honor in that relationship mm-hmm. and as a result of that covenantal union before God there are certain expectations that maybe don't exist in other cultures mm. so if if we were you know doing a mesopotamian kind of unpacking of marriage we we would say the woman will do these things yep. because you are just a vessel for having babies and by the way, if you don't have babies, that's all right. We'll just get another one that mm-hmm. does. Put you on the scrap heap. Start start again. But but within Scripture, we don't see that. No, 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 no. There's, there's this idea of this um, monogamous, wonderful union that that would have been like aghast. Yep. How high are we elevating these women? And and that's where I think I would say we championed it. Is is we may not necessarily have um invented the concept i think you know like our our genesis story will say adam and eve was there in the beginning there mm. it is marriage right mm. from the outset before the beginning of time okay cool um egyptians had it mesopotamians had it you know yeah. and they they were outside of the rule of god mm. you know oh yes all of creation speaks to the majesty of no no i you know, hear what like, you're saying I, so I, i'm just saying that i it, To an individual who does not necessarily believe in God, they will say to you, you didn't invent it. Yeah, Plenty of other cultures had it before you had it. And I think you need to find a way to honor that conversation in a way. And I think the easier path for that is to say, yeah, we didn't invent it.
0: We championed it though. Mm. No, I hear that. So that's that's what I was saying. No, it's helpful. All right. Well, let me uh, put my stake in the ground. I... When the plebiscite happened in Australia, I don't know when it was, 2018 maybe, I remember having this really deep desire to not just come to a conclusion that I'd been told to conclude, but I wanted to, if, if scripture really was the authority with which I was living under, yeah, I wanted to, we've talked about deconstruction before, I wanted to essentially deconstruct what I'd been told to believe about this issue and my framework was I'm going to let scripture lead the way and not my church tradition lead the way. Sure. So that was my process. Therefore, I went uh, deep into scriptures. I went deep into to Greek and word construction. I read the books that were for same-sex marriage. I read the books that were not. You've spoken about, you know, reading people who disagree with you before. Yeah, good I, stuff. I really wanted to do that. I think that's really wise. You know, the forbidden material I thought was important to read (laughs) um anyway long story short i came out of that still convinced in the traditional view of marriage yeah i think any of the set passages and we can have this in a different conversation there's there's five or six really significant passages that 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 hit this flashpoint i agree that any single one of them if you wanted to read deeply enough into it you could cast some shadows on it sure but from, from creation to new creation and everything in between, the fact that there was not a single positive endorsement of same-sex relationships in scripture was kind of the, the final, I suppose, piece of evidence I needed personally to conclude that I think marriage is still monogamous, lifelong, male, female in an ideal world. So that's, that's my position.
1: I don't think I disagree with that. Yeah. Um, I don't think Yahweh was surprised by gay i don't think it's a new invention okay so i I think that it's it's probably uh you you can see evidences for that from roman times sure
0: sodom and gomorrah
1: yep and so i would wholeheartedly agree with everything that you're saying i think it's finding a place for inclusivity for Mm -hmm. someone who's wrestling that out in their own lives Mm -hmm. While still leveraging their gifts and talents within a context of a church, yep, is the is the are the places where I start to wrestle this out. Yep. Um, so I, and this is to your robust academic study. This is just a real life experience of mine. Mm. I'm am sitting at a Episcopal church in Phoenix, which is considerably more liberal than um, the Sydney. Sydney Episcopal scene.
0: So, Episcopal, if you don't know, is basically North American Anglican. Yeah.
1: And so we had a homosexual uh, priest uh, wearing full rainbow robes, uh, sitting alongside, you know, another heterosexual Episcopalian. Priest And a whole bunch of other people in the room It was kind of an ecumenical council And I got invited along Because I was the weird Australian And so <laughs> they just wanted a different cultural context And what I found within that room Was the most conservative theological perspective Was coming from the gay priests mm. So we've got to stay true to scripture We've got to, you know This is the authority for words on our life But where they clearly had a, a great deal of flex Was on sexuality and alongside that was the heterosexual cup the guy who I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be same team and very conservative. And he was profoundly liberal mm. is that, you know, um, scripture is like a metaphor mm. um, and therefore it's open to its own interpretation. And I'm like, whoa, he's up, you know, and then, you know, obviously the gay pastor was firing back like, no, well, hold on. No, this is the divine authority of God. Yeah, And so I'm sitting in that room like just, Mine's exploding
0: Yeah Because all your stereotypes were being blown out of the water in different ways Yeah,
1: so I got to this place where I'm like If I was going to go to the church If I had to choose between the two churches here Yeah I think I'm going to the gay pastor's (laughs) church Because I'm probably more likely to hear sound theological explanations of all of scripture And then a rainbow treatment of sexuality Yeah and so it was kind of like I didn't know how to deal with that. And I still don't – this is part of the reason why I think I'm I'm just – I want to say that I'm open to learn. Sure. is because I don't have the best robust argument like that. Like yeah. a Greek, expounding Greek kills me. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. can do it, but yeah. oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so um, I think – that's where I kind of defer to experts and then read up on it. But real life examples.
0: Mm. It's its messy. Uh, well, actually, uh, book plug, uh, a good book, I think, Caleb Colton back, Messy Grace. Caleb was a guy who uh, grew up with two mums and became an evangelical church pastor. And I think I yeah. mentioned him on another episode. You have, but yeah. Yeah, so his, his funny, not funny line is when everyone else was coming out to their parents as gay, he came out to his gay parents as Christian. Oof. And so he had to kind of... Which is more challenging <laughs> yeah. these days. But yeah, so hence the title of his book, which I think is really helpful, Messy Grace. Yeah. This is a messy conversation. Incredibly messy. And so this, this, this presenting question around the, the cake at the gay wedding is actually um, uh, a flashpoint for something much more broadly, which is inclusivity, as you say. Uh, how does theology relate to practice? Yeah. What does that look like done well? Uh, it's, it's hard. And as I said, it's easier to go black and white, but people are not black and white. People are filled with all sorts of gray. And what does it look like to love people in the gray is a really difficult question. I think, um, one, one theological paradigm has to be that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Like we're talking about wisdom here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, the question becomes, uh, what does the fear of the Lord look like in yeah. this situation? But I think that's that's the, the umbrella lens to view not just this issue, but any issue of grey, any issue that requires wisdom. It's got to be a fear of the Lord, as we read in Proverbs throughout, that is the beginning of all wisdom.
1: Which is why I I defer to a cricketing analogy.
0: Go on. I didn't even know you knew cricket.
1: Which is what is it rather than playing the ball i'll play the bowler okay and so rather than answer the question well Mm -hmm. i will defer to say that the lord has called me to live a life of love Mm -hmm. and if i am to steward a community then my great desperation is for them to pursue the deepest relationship with the lord Yep. which involves them to be prayerful it involves them to be humble it 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 requires them to be in scripture deeply and wrestling out a relationship with God. And so my goal is to push them towards that and to come alongside of them as a good shepherd and say, um, how are we doing? Mm. Where are we sitting with stuff? Mm. You know, I I always say this partially because I feel like it provokes a response.
0: It's not like you.
1: Yeah, I know. When did Mary Magdalene stop hooking, (laughs) right? Like in in her relationship with Jesus, Mm -hmm. was it the first encounter with Jesus where as she's having a meal at a tax collector's house, hears the story of Jesus and immediately says, I'm going to stop hooking Mm -hmm. on the side. Or is there a development of a relationship with Mary Magdalene and through wrestling out her own relationship with Jesus, she comes to this conclusion and says, I should probably stop whoring on the side if I'm going to be fully invested as a disciple Mm -hmm. of Jesus. When does that happen? Mm. My guess is it's not the instant experience Mm -hmm. that her, like the rest of the disciples, are wrestling out a relationship with Jesus and probably doesn't get all the way across the line until Jesus dies on the cross and then comes back to life. Mm. And she goes, Man, I gotta figure out some of the own stuff <laughs> in my life. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's the narrative mm. for whereby we run all of this stuff through.
0: That's interesting. I when I think about the example of the disciples, it's it is this kind of this glorious they drop their nets straight away and they follow him. And then it. Kind oh no, of, they
1: follow him. I'm not,
0: but, but 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 then, as you see it, it kind of starts to dawn on them. Yeah. And like, if you look at Peter, for example, you know, cutting off the ear and denying Jesus, and so on. The one hand, he drops his net, and on the other hand, rea- reality yet. then kicks in. Yeah. And pre um, pre Pentecost, he's still not quite there. It's it's just an interesting thought. I've never I've never had it through that lens before. Um, so, so
1: here's, here's where I play from. Sure. Do I have a great answer for this question? No, but if I can get you to a place where you deeply love Jesus mm-hmm. and you're invested in scripture and it turns out that you live that life of love and mm-hmm. when you get to heaven, you are welcomed into the arms of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy.
0: Well, I think as it raises the question as pastors or as brothers and sisters in the church, what is my role? Yeah. Um, is my role to have somebody conform to what I'm comfortable? Like, I guess it's the old, are you providing fish or are you teaching people how to fish? Is yeah. probably the paradigm. And I guess as, as people get older, ultimately you can't force anything on anybody. Really? We've got our own brains and our own hearts. Mate, and our the, own-
1: the job of pastoral ministry is all carrot, no stick. Mm. Mate, have you... If you tried discipline, church discipline recently? It doesn't fly well. They go to a
0: new church. Yeah, well, that's another comp- okay. How about that as an episode, church discipline? <laughs> um, but look, I, I to, to kind of tell my own story, I suppose, briefly, I, I do have a lot of skin in this game. And I will say um, there, is a, there is a trigger warning here in the story. Oh, okay. Um, but look, I've – and those who know me well will know the specifics, but I'll just kind of give broad brushstrokes. But um, – I have walked with people who are same-sex attracted in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those relationships did end with um, someone taking his own life. Yep. Um, you know, every pastor's worst nightmare, every friend's worst nightmare. You, you do ask yourself, maybe I should have done it differently, mm-hmm. of course. Um, maybe I should have been more in inverted commas affirming or enabling or whatever. Um, but what I can say is that for for my brother, um, he always had a seat at my table until the very end. Mm-hmm. We there was always a coffee until the very end. We didn't always agree with each other, but I I th- no I can say confidently there was mutual love and respect there until the very end. And I guess I've I've experienced a lot not in my own sexuality, but in in pastoral fallout and what i can say is whatever the issue is whether it's sexuality oriented or not if you have loved the best you know how if you have listened if you have empathized if you have curiously asked questions rather than dogmatically come to conclusions then like put it this way i i I grieve my brother's death dearly Mm. but i also don't feel like i have blood on my hands yeah, Because I did it gently. Um, I did it graciously. Yes, I stuck to certain doctrines that he would have preferred me not to stick to. Um, but I think he knew that I loved him until the very end, no matter what. And um, yeah, so this, this is a raw one for me. And I think it, I guess, to, to kind of take it out of that situation and, and back into theory for a little bit. For me, you know, you've talked about questions of people in the church yeah i think there's two levels to this um the conclusion i've come to is i people who profess faith in christ i approach differently to this issue than people who don't Mm -hmm. so to, to come back to the plebiscite um i almost voted yes i ended up voting no but the reason i was i almost voted yes is because i don't think that a liberal democracy is a theocracy yeah. And so, okay. therefore, in no way, if if someone professes no faith in Christ, then sexuality is 100% the wrong place to start in yeah. your relationship with them. Yeah, And so, therefore, I don't I, for someone who does not have the Holy Spirit, I don't have any expectations that they will see life the same way as me. I think there will be overlap because they're made in the image of God. Yeah, But I can't, like, it's very presumptuous to say you must believe the same thing as me. So, therefore, to come back to our question, would you bake a cake for a gay wedding? Um, or would you at least, if you're not a baker, go to the gay wedding? I I would for someone who does not profess faith in Christ Mm -hmm. um, because I just think we're playing with apples and oranges at that point. And that's not just in same sex. That's just in any ethic whatsoever around alcohol or drugs or whatever. You just can't assume that someone will see the world the same way as you if they don't hold the same worldview as you. Agreed. Um, So I said this in a sermon once that for someone who is not a Christian, I don't, when I say I don't care, I'm not, it's not my first question, how many people you're sleeping with, what gender they are, or, you know, like it's just the wrong place to start. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to remember that. For someone who does claim faith, for me it becomes, I guess a little bit more, I'll use the word hard line, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, would I go to a, a wedding for a couple who gay couple who profess faith in Christ, I probably wouldn't. Okay. Um, Would I bake the cake? I probably wouldn't because for me, the moment you profess a Christian worldview, there is a Lordship paradigm there. Sure. Now hear me clearly. If I was same sex attracted, I would be 100% looking for scriptural validation. Mm -hmm. 100%. So I, I, I completely get it on an emotional level that you want, you want that validation yeah? because I have to have the lordship of God first and the fear of the Lord has to come first. And because through a robust investigation, I've concluded that it's not there biblically. I, I just can't get on board with that. And I would respectfully, I would keep loving the person maybe actually, maybe I would go to the wedding actually, but I, I would be, I would tell the person that I didn't agree with their decision. Um, Probably before the day or after the but, day. Correct, before. Yeah, okay. before. Right. But no, now I think about it, I probably would go to the wedding. I think to, you'd go. Just to show relational support, but I would say that I disagreed with the choice. Um, for someone who's not a Christian, I, I just think you're having the wrong conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at with it.
1: Yeah. Listen, first of all, Jesus would be an exceptional baker. There's no doubt about it. He is making some incredible cakes. I mean, I know he is classically trained as a carpenter, but there's no doubt in my mind. you got to build a cake. He, 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 would, he would be pulling out flavors that people just don't imagine would go as combinations. I don't think he's baking a lewd cake. Like, I don't think he's baking a penis cake. Like, I think he's baking a serious, excellent um, uh, bridal cake. So multi-layer. you think
0: you think he is? You think he would bake it? He's baking a cake.
1: really. Is he at the his first miracles at a wedding? Mm-hmm. Mate, is everyone in the room Christian? Mm. Mate, he's but he's at at a party and they're like, "We need wine." Sure, man, here's some wine. He's not saying here's some wine. Don't give it to the gay guys, right? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's not his intention. He's into he's, okay. What stop? What what is his intention? Let's let's break that down. When when he meets with Zacchaeus, when he uh, when he dines with the sinners, when he goes to the wedding at Cana, what, what is he trying to do when he's with the the Samaritan woman? What, what's his goal there? Oh,
1: okay. Well, it's multifaceted. I think on one level there's an expansion of who is included in the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So there's a, there's a, there's a narrative that speaks to all people are welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. And a part of that is the revelation of Jesus transpires to much more people than the um, Jews, the Israelites. It's, it's an invitation that is now much more broadly open to all of humanity. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, he recognizes that to live a life of love means to live a life of love and um, in a community where not everyone is on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a socialist. <laughs> um, he's an evangelist. And because he's an evangelist, he is. He's got to like, be there. He's Of course he's got to be there. And so he's going to the places where people are, where he can express this pure new form of love, this invitation that is now open to many. So that'd be the place that I start.
0: But don't you, well, okay. I won't say, don't you agree? That's passive aggressive. Um, no, you can't. I, I will. I will I say. I love that when we do that group. But don't you agree? Don't you agree? I think he would now, okay, this is, I think he would go. Yeah. But he would also ask the couple some curly questions. Of course he would.
1: Yeah. That's what I love about Jesus yeah. is that Jesus starts with the relationship and then leads it into questions of and the ma- heart.
0: And maybe this is where it gets, okay, this is helpful. Because I think when we when we go, in inverted commas, yeah, that's communicating complete endorsement of the decision. I love I whereas love when, a person who's just binary. like when they, ones and zeros. Whereas when Jesus goes, he's like, he goes to Zacchaeus. He goes to dinner. Yeah. Now actually, Zacchaeus is a bit different because Zacchaeus is just you know compelled from day one. Yeah, the Samaritan woman may be a better example. He goes to her, he breaks the boundaries, he goes where nobody else is sure. going yeah. and he just kind of gently, not interrogates her, but but questions her assumptions and gets to a position of grace and the need for Yahweh at the end of it. So I'm just wondering whether, yes, whether he goes, um, but he, he he makes sure that he makes people think more deeply.
1: Yeah, so 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 if I was to imitate Jesus in a church, and I'm sitting down with a, a gay individual who is fully affirming and inclusive within mm-hmm. the church, who is a believer in Christ Jesus, is is my goal to say you're wrong? Because when I read scripture, I see a a, a complementary mm-hmm. man and woman version of marriage mm-hmm. that seems to be endorsed within scripture. And they say, no, 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 you're not, you're not understanding the text. Is that shouldn't my curly questions be, you know, like along the lines of what you did? So how does the Greek mm. unpack this? Where do we see other evidences within the history of the church where there is a, an alignment with your perspective? Are those better questions to ask? Because what I think you see with Jesus and the Samaritan woman is him creating opportunities to wrestle out the narrative of her life. And so if we've just blindly cannonballed into inclusivity without a willingness to wrestle it out, what Jesus would do is expose that. Well, there's no, there's no depth to your argument. Yeah. You are just towing the line of whatever cultural perspective is. And we are, we are anxious, are anchored, to the immovable Yahweh, mm. and so we can we can be tossed to and fro in cultural shifts, but because our anchor is tied to to Jesus and Yahweh, we have a firm a firm hold on stuff. Yeah, that's where I feel like I would be much more at home. Yeah, is that my presence is not endorsement. Mm-hmm. Like like Jesus creates urns. Of wine, so is he endorsing
0: paralytic drunkenness?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but isn't that the yeah. isn't that the kind of ridiculous? And this, leap and this is we one start of, to make.
0: Yeah, and that's that's one of the troubles we face: is to to attend is to endorse in our binary culture. Ironically, the word binary. Yeah, you know our yeah. It's it's what what is endorsement? Is kind of a, a philosophical question we ask ourselves that I think. Jesus, Jesus finds a a third way there that is neither a full endorsement, nor is it a complete condemnation. It's a love and it's a presence and it's a, it's a challenge uh, in a way that I think makes us, it feels great and that makes us uncomfortable and we'd prefer to either fully endorse or fully reject, but Jesus, I think you said it actually um, in one of the episodes around Craig Rochelle, there's always a seat at the table. People, I may yeah. not be invited to someone else's table, but there's always a seat at the table at mine. And yeah. to come back to my my friend, um, something he said to me that I will never, ever, ever forget. He said, during the plebiscite, I'm just really tired of being spoken about. Mm. I want to be spoken with and to. Yeah. And those words have never forgotten. Uh, like, they will, I will never forget them. And I think um, you got to, and Colton Back says this in his book, Messy Grace, you got to do the hard work. Yeah. Like either be willing to do the hard work or don't bother, but don't come up with some soapbox dogmatic position that does not show any dignity or worth to the individual whatsoever. Uh, If you're going to engage, you've got to engage well and deeply and sensitively and empathetically and see that people are complicated. Yeah. Uh, People are more than their sexuality, whether they're homosexual or heterosexual. And so therefore... um, show that dignity while also that gentle provocation that Jesus shows. Mm. And ultimately, if someone comes to a radically different conclusion, well, that's between them and God. Yeah. Um, but if you have not honoured the person in the midst of whatever the issue is, whether it's this or anything else we've spoken about on the podcast, then I think to a degree you've, you've missed the point and you've become about the, the, the rigidity of the dogma rather than the nuance of the person.
1: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think the the fascinating thing about modern media is you can always find someone who's written a book to justify your point of view. You know, like Jackie Hill Perry I follow Mm -hmm. and I find that she's got an incredible narrative on, you know, being a lesbian and now in a a complementary opposite sex marriage and wrestling out all those ideas of faith and then if you don't like that then Mm. you can find someone who is in the same sex but that's not a justification for why you're right is that regardless of the book that you've read by a modern author that has explained why your point of view is right you ultimately have to come back to scripture and wrestle that out for yourself Yep. which is why i would say i'm wrestling it out Mm. and so now i'll give you an answer right at the end of the podcast I feel much more um, comfortable with a man and a woman in marriage together because that's the way I see it in scripture. Mm -hmm. But I find myself in a post-Christian culture. So I have to um, respect an individual who chooses a different path, who sees things differently. And so I have to learn to love them Mm -hmm. to the fullest and that's where I feel like we often come undone.
0: And I think one of the reasons we come undone is it's what you've just said is it's really hard to do. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. It takes energy, it takes relational equity. <clears throat> and often for a self-protective reason, we just go, it's too hard. They're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. But I don't think that's the way of Jesus. Yeah. It's hard, but finding that third way where you can hold a position and at the same time, show complete dignity for the person is, I think, the way of Jesus.
1: Yeah, I, I, I
0: mate, church should be a rainbow,
1: mm. and I know that's a loaded <laughs> phrase, but there is a multitude of different people from mm. different backgrounds, different socio-economic perspectives, different multicultural perspectives, um, different demographics. And a church should be a robust reflection of all those different people coming together unified by Christ. Mm-hmm. And we are all wrestling out our own issues, challenges, perspectives at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so bless your heart. Mm. Get yourself into some scripture, not into the latest author, and figure it out for yourself. Mm. That's what I say. hmm At the end of the day, to wrap this episode up, because we're at 41 minutes, I would have a slice
0: of Jesus' (laughs) cake. There you go. Now go and do some Greek, brother. (laughs) See you next week. See you next week.